0: Welcome to the Restoration Church weekly podcast. Please take a minute to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And be sure to download the Church Center app. This is the best way to stay connected and up to date with all that's happening at Restoration Church. Most importantly, we hope the following message will help draw you closer to Christ. Thanks for listening. Yeah, Levittown looks good from a distance, doesn't it? It's up close, and you start having the... A... No, no, I, no. I uh, we we love this community. We love it because God loves it, and so we love Levittown. Uh, a lot of other reasons to love this area as well. Hey, we are in a series titled "In Our Community for Our Community." This has been one of our mantras for several years. We talk about this all the time. It's one thing if you've been around a little while, you've heard us say we are a church in our community for our community for a very long time. And the reason that we say this, it came out of a Christmas series that we did many years ago uh, because God came into the world to be for the world, right? God came into the world to be for the world. And so we said, hey, we should model that, right? If if our ambition, uh, you know, Paul said, Ephesians 5.1, imitate God. He, he wraps up christian discipleship in this one verse imitate god by walking in the way of love right but imitate god that is what it means to be a follower of jesus and so We have this incredible opportunity to be in our community for the community because that is exactly how god Interacted with us came into our mess to be for us Came in our community in our world to be for the world So every church has a relationship with their community Not every church has a good relationship with their community, but every church has a relationship with their community. Not every church seeks to model God in that relationship. There are only four ways, if you think about this, there are only really four ways that you can exist in relationship to your community, though. You can be in your church for your church... The community is full of worldly pagans, and so we need to protect ourselves from the world. And so we are going to come into the fortress, which is the safety of the church, and we're going to live and exist in here. these These are churches that draw lines between themselves and the community. Churches like this will eventually die, always die. It may take 50 years, but churches like this will always die in the end. You could be a church in your church. You could be in your church, but for your community. These churches suffer from the savior mentality they want to swoop down into their communities and save the community and then retreat back to the comfort and the safety of their church A lot of suburban churches will do this with like inner city work, right? We go into the the darkness of the inner city and we we provide them resources and 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 entertainment and events and things like that And then we swoop back to the safety of the suburbs We love our community, but we love it from a distance we love our community but we don't want to build a relationship with our community These churches draw dashed lines between themselves and the community You could also you could be a, a church in your church. I'm sorry in your community for your church <clears throat> These churches talk a big game about evangelism and outreach, but the goal is really their own growth It's not the community's well-being. They're not doing what they do for the community's sake They're doing it for their own sake They're not really interested in the the sake of the community the, to love their community They're interested in growing their church and this kind of becomes a bait-and-switch relationship, if you think about it. We go into our community to love on you, hoping that you will come and expand our church, build our church, you know, grow our church. We're not doing it because we love you. We just want a bigger church in the end. This is a dashed line inside of a circle. Yes, we draw circles. We're an inclusive church. We draw circles around our community. But our hope is not for the betterment of our community. The hope is for the betterment of our church. Lastly, you can be in your community for your community this is what jesus did for us come into the world with compassion to suffer with us so that he would meet us where we are that is mercy and invite us then into his abundant life and that is the gracious invitation this is incarnation incarnational ministry right being in your community for your community churches who do this simply draw circles around their community Unconditional circles around their community and they love their community well Not so that their church will grow or that everyone will think their church is this the best church in the world They're not doing it for the sake of their church. They're doing it for the sake of their community Simply because they love their community and this is what god did for us So we've decided to be a church in our community for our community Uh, missional outpost. we come here to learn to be like jesus to to grow in his love to to be filled more and more with his love so that as we walk among our neighbors and our communities that that love overflows upon our communities and our neighbors simply for their sake to love people well simply because god loves people well now one of the challenges with this is that we live in a capitalistic society and we are subtly encouraged always to look inward first I don't know if you think about the way that um, marketers market to you, the commercials you see, the things you see on social media, they are always trying to convince you to turn inward, to think of yourself first, which drives our spending, which drives our economy. And we're constantly then being aware of everything we don't have, but we are told that we need. The message behind all corporate marketing is that we should measure the value of ourselves by the value of our stuff. And so, of course, we're going to buy. And of course we're going to spend. Of course we're going to go post pictures of our Christmas tree on Christmas morning and how big they are and how many presents are under there because that puffs us up, right? And and that just strokes our insecurities. All the things that I can get my kids, look how great of a parent I am. Look how great we are. Stuff is never just about stuff. It's our internal sense of self, our self-worth, our intrinsic value at stake. And so my stuff, if you think about it, strokes my insecurities, and it calms my insecurities down when they get razzled. Marketers and psychologists, they're constantly putting things before you because they know awareness fuels discontentment. We talked about this last week for a little while. Awareness will fuel your discontentment, which will also stroke your insecurity. You were fine with your iPhone 14 until you heard that there was an iPhone 15 with a titanium case around it. Like, I didn't even know I needed it until I was told that it existed. I wasn't even hungry until the Papa John's commercial with their stuffed garlic, you know, <laughs> crust came on the TV. I wasn't even hungry until I saw that. I didn't even really realize I needed it until I saw it on the TV. We, Amazon Amazon Prime Days. Oh, my goodness, Amazon Prime Days. How many of you purchased something that you probably didn't need we we did we certainly did we we didn't even know we needed a, a new mop until we were told that there was a new mop in the world <laughs> And it spins We're like well, oh, this is gonna do a much better job than our previous mop, which is doing a fine job But now we have a new mop We didn't even know we needed it until we were told that it was aware in the world that it was that it existed in the world, but It was on sale, right? Awareness of what we don't have makes us believe that what we do have is good isn't good enough And therefore, I'm not good enough. If we put our value in, if our value is is intrinsically held to the value of our stuff, then when my stuff isn't good enough, then I'm not good enough. And that's a real problem. Especially this time of year when we are inundated with awareness of things we don't have. But awareness also, and I want you to think about this because this becomes so important. Awareness also has the power to drive your discontentment in a different direction. It can drive our discontentment towards just purchasing more and consuming more, but it can also drive our discontentment in a different direction. Marketers want you to selfishly pity your material goods so that you spend more to upgrade them, to pad your insecurities so you feel better about yourself. But what if instead we chose to open our eyes not to the things we don't have, but to the needs of others? And maybe all the things that we already do have, all the gratitudes, right, the blessings that we do have. What if we chose to open our eyes to something else? Instead of opening our eyes to everything we don't have, we made a deliberate choice to open our eyes to the needs of others. What if you became aware of your blessings? How would that change your mentality? See, awareness can either fuel your personal selfish discontentment and your need to stroke your insecurities, or it can fuel unprecedented generosity. If you're going to become good at being rich, which is what we talked about last week, you must learn to cultivate your awareness of things that really matter. You must invest yourself in context and intentionally put yourself in situations where your eyes are going to be opened to the needs of others, where your eyes are going to be opened to what you already have and the blessings you already have, because, my friends, you will solve 0% of the problems that you're unaware of. That's just the basic truth, isn't it? You will solve 0% of the problems you're unaware of. Awareness of what you do have though often realize we're experiencing oftentimes of how little have I mean You ever experienced this maybe you went to a third world country on a missions trip or I mean last year We went over to trenton and we served at the trenton area soup kitchen and We served the homeless or every second friday night during shared meal here. We invite the homeless and those in need into our community When you're in the context of those who have very little you recognize very quickly what you do have Awareness of what you already have can sow gratitude in you That's why we do this 40 days of gratitude to focus on your blessings and gratitude my friends can sow unprecedented generosity in you and generosity can sow solutions into a world riddled with problems. So if you truly want to do good, if you want to make change in your world, you're going to have to get the attention off of yourself and focus your attention elsewhere. I hope that we can be a church that is not advancing our own agendas or selfish ambitions, but we have eyes to see the needs of our community, eyes to see the needs of others, and that we would work to respond generously towards those needs. In this, love and gracious actions will be solutions, not merely to physical needs, but a community that is looking for belonging and significance and hope and dignity among the despair. And so we're starting this season of Be Rich. We talked about this a little bit last week. The Season Be Rich is really just about our generous love put into action in practical and tangible ways to our community. To step into the lives of our community who have very little and to be generous towards them so that our outlook would change, but also so that we would recognize gratitude and that gratitude would sow generosity and that generosity would begin to sow solutions into the world. And so we participate in Be Rich. And there are four ways that you can participate. We're hoping that 100% of the restoration community will get behind this cause. And there are four ways that you can participate. We encourage you to participate in at least one, if not all four, of these causes. The first thing that you can do is give. As of last starting last week, we've already given $1,100 to the cause of Be Rich, which is super cool. Thank you. Yeah, so, so cool. And friends, that's only by 16 people, okay? 16 people have contributed $1,100. So thank you. Thank you so much. For giving to be rich, this is going to cost money. Yes, it's going to be a sacrifice for us to be generous towards our community. It's going to cost money. So we are asking, and we ask about $40 a family, but that may seem too radical for some of you. Maybe you want to consider giving $10. Maybe that's not enough. Maybe you feel God is calling you to give 500. I don't know what God is calling you to give. Whatever God is calling you to give in this season of Be Rich, I encourage you to do that. You can go to the giving portal on our website or in the app, and you can pull down on the the Be Rich tab and give specifically to this cause. In addition, though, we also ask that people donate. There's a number of things that we need donations for, uh, specifically stocking food pantries, which are historically low, by the way. They're bare shelves on so many food pantries in our community right now. So we're going to do what we can to stock as many food pantries as possible. along with some thanksgiving food baskets things like that we'll talk in just a second more about this and then you can shop there's a number of things that you can shop for specifically if you take a family from the giving tree if you participate in our manor elementary school teacher blessing then you can shop for that as well i recognize that donating and shopping and giving all cost money yes i get that i I, this is a sacrificial time of year We're, we're challenging you to be sacrificial you know why because when you sacrifice when you love you are participating this is what paul says you are participating in the suffering of christ and when you participate in the suffering of christ you become like christ and then you get to inherit his resurrected life as well and so this is an act of discipleship this is what we're hoping we're hoping for you to become like christ together with us and then you can also serve there's so many things that need your service uh, so many ways we need bodies. Yes, you're not just a cog in a wheel You are serving a great purpose to love our community Well, so here are all the things that you can do to help us be rich You can find all these on the be rich tab of our website A lot of these are in the app as well, but on 1029 we are cleaning up hood boulevard I'm gonna go through these really really quickly uh, Simple it doesn't cost you a thing other than your time and your energy to go and pick up the trash along hood boulevard we are um, working to Take a bite out of food insecurity within our community. Again, um, on our website, there's a whole list of all the donations that we're looking for um, to to stock those food pantries. Um, The Bridge Coffee and Community, this this coffee shop that we are opening, um, is opening soon. Next Sunday, we're going to tell you when. So you don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. You want to be here next Sunday. If nothing else, to celebrate 10 years of restoration, yes, but... You're going to learn when the Bridge Coffee Community will be open to the public. We're having a work day, though, on November 4th, and so um, join us at, over at the bridge. We're going to be putting furniture together, all sorts of fun things over there, uh, getting that place ready to welcome the community. We're just going to pray together on the 5th. That's a really important part of this. We'll talk about that more later in the service. We're going to pray together on the 5th. Um, Thanksgiving food baskets, we've been challenged to give 100 boxes of uh, mashed potatoes, 100 bags of stuffing as well to help supply food baskets for 100 families within our community. The Manor Elementary School teachers wish list. We do this every year. We choose a different elementary school in the area. We ask the teachers, hey, what do you want? What would bless you? And then we go and we buy it all. It's super, that's, that's like so much fun. I love it. Uh, building relationships with the schools has been really, really powerful. We are going to buy out the laundromat over in Morrisville like we've done the last several years. We sit there all day long. We pay for all the laundry that comes in um, and we get to chat with people as they do their laundry, and that's a real opportunity to share the love of Christ in a tangible way. Uh, the Giving Tree opens also on the 12th. That is our opportunity to, to wrap our, our love around uh, families who are struggling to provide a happy family for their Christmas this year. Uh, that opens on November 12th as well. November 12th is going to be a crazy day around here, friends. A lot going on on November 12th. Uh, Treehouse is also, I think, doing a service project on the 12th. Maybe not, but we'll get more details on that later. Um, we're also telling you, to, we want to tell our community about the, the bridge opening up. So on November 12th, we're going to have flyers available to anybody who wants to take as many as possible and canvas their own neighborhood. We encourage you to be praying for every house along your community as you as you walk and just um, canvas your community um, with flyers about the, the bridge opening up. Um, we, have, we have a day of service here at Restoration Church. There's a number of projects here on our campus, inside and outside, that need to be accomplished on Saturday, November 18th. And so we do that each year to kind of love on the building god has entrusted with us and then on the following day november 19th sunday we're going to gather at 9 a.m no 10 o'clock service 9 a.m service a really abbreviated 15 20 minute service and then we're going to go out into the community or we're going to be doing jobs here that will ultimately bless the community um, so we're going to be doing a community day of service on the 19th we're going back to the trenton area soup kitchen on the 20th of november and the 18th of december and so if you want to go serve the homeless Over in trenton you can sign up for one of those days. We're gonna do a pay forward again We love this evening. We just we give you an envelope full of cash and we say hey go bless your community to fall in an tangible way Go have fun with it Whatever creative way you can do to bless your community. Go and do it. That's november 30th We're gonna walk our community and pray over houses on december 5th Uh, We're bringing back the shared meal holiday shop where it's 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 just beyond a shared meal on on December 8th. It's not just a shared meal. We are going to um, open up a shop for those in need and the homeless among us so that they can get material goods that would really bless them this holiday season. On 12-12, we are going to wrap all of those gifts for the Manor Elementary School teachers, and then the following day, we're going to provide coffee and hot chocolate to all the teachers as they go to their classrooms, they find these gifts on their desk. It's, it's a really special morning uh, the following day. Um, we are hosting another Christmas party for children whose parents are incarcerated on 12 16 Uh, it was a really powerful afternoon last year when we did this and then we're just going to gather for as many people as Want to we're gonna hold some candles and some bells and we're gonna go christmas caroling together on december 21st So to kind of conclude our be rich season. So there you go friends. It's a busy busy season Do you see do you see why we need 100 percent participation? Um, we need everybody involved and so I would really really encourage you It will not only bless our community. It will be a blessing to you. I promise get involved in be rich You can find all this on the app or the be rich website You can sign up today for all of these things participate get involved Help us draw wide circles around our community so that we can love our community very well and offer them the hope of christ I'd also encourage you to invite those who aren't part of the restoration community to join you in this even if they don't attend restoration, they're not part of this community, but you think they would like to come serve the homeless with you, man, invite them along. This is a great introduction to the, to the hope of Christ. Um, so I would encourage you to invite others that you know that might like to join you in this. All right, so here's one of the more shocking things that Jesus said in his ministry. Here's one of the more shocking things that he said. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This was so shocking, in fact, that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who listened in and heard him say these things. They started saying, you're a liar. You don't have the authority to say such a thing. Now we're thinking, look, like, what's the big deal? they just saying he's the light of the world. That's not that big of a deal. Well, for the Jews listening, the light of the world would have conjured up images of creation. That would be the first place that they would have gone to, creation. They would have envisioned Genesis 1 and the spirit of God hovering over the darkened waters. We read this at the very beginning. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so the Hebrew word for darkness here is hoshek. Everyone try to say that? Hoshek. You got to kind of get that grilling in the back of your throat. (laughs) Yeah, hoshek. It doesn't literally mean, it, it can mean the absence of light, which is what darkness is, right? It can mean like a physical darkness, but it also can mean despair. It can also mean evil. It can also mean... Um, I think I have a list here, actually. Yeah, darkness. Darkness wasn't just about the absence of light; it meant it meant despair and chaos and misery. Darkness wasn't just about not light being present. It was about evil and wickedness and misery and chaos and sorrow and death, and all that is meaningless and unproductive. There we go. Thank you, Liam. And uh, and not only over individuals, but over communities and societies and the world. This is what that word word means yes it means darkness as we think about darkness when it gets dark outside night outside but it also means so much more and and one might look at the world right now and think man there is just a canvas of darkness over the world anybody feel that the last couple weeks man i think you watch the news you see what's going on in the middle east right now with israel and palestine darkness you think about what's happening in ukraine i think of darkness right darkness is over the face of the earth or we might look at households that are just, you know, full of strife and they're fighting. You know, I think of a child witnessing domestic abuse, and that's just like a heart that is just full of darkness, or a household that is just full of darkness. That's often the, the words we use to, to describe the hearts and the minds of mass shooters. And The, the media even uses this. They think of like darkened heart and darkened mind, and how, how could how could someone do such an atrocity or commit such a crime? And we talk about darkness in this really profound way, but it's not it's any physically darker when when we first came here everyone kept telling me about how dark trenton is like we moved from minnesota so we didn't really know this area as much emily dude she grew up here but i was like trenton it's like okay i kind of everyone kept saying like yeah dark it's such a dark city not that it's any literally darker than any other city right like it's not like the lights don't work there it's just that man the prostitution the drugs the murder everything that goes on in trenton is such a dark city and you're so close to it be careful they kept saying I think of people maybe within this community even like some of you man, your heart is just dark Your mind might just feel dark. You feel oppressed. You feel depressed. You feel anxious. You feel lonely Darkness is this word that we use to characterize these feelings Now i'm not going to go into the lengthy explanation of genesis one If you want a very very lengthy explanation of what genesis one is all about take story of a story one And you'll learn all about it there good times, but the story was written and this is the one thing i want you to know about the story of creation right now this genesis 1 was written to a slave nation that only ever knew chaos that's its audience they could relate to a world full of darkness and evil and misery it's all they knew Of life, As they were beaten regularly, they were told to make more bricks with less resources. I'm talking about the Israelites enslaved to the Egyptians, right? This is the audience that first received Genesis 1. They were a slave nation under the oppression. They knew darkness. They felt that misery, distress, despair, chaos. That's all they knew of life. And so one of the main points that the author is is trying to make is that this creation story is a way to provide an anthem of hope to an oppressed people. At the creation, they would have read this and they would have been ex- exuberated with hope. They would have been infused with great hope to slow, to show a slave nation who the God of the Israelites is and what this God is about. His first action was to cast out the darkness. And so I just want to imagine that you're sitting in the darkness for a second. We're going to shut the lights off because it's a it's a physical representation of what it feels like to sit in the darkness. And you start to feel the darkness some of you have glow sticks broken already. Shame on you. You weren't supposed to do that yet. <laughs> Although I did mine, so we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But darkness, you, you begin to feel it, right? You begin to feel the darkness. How many of you growing up were afraid of the dark? A lot of hands going up, right? And we kind of grow out of that a little bit, but sometimes the darkness brings back some of those angsty feelings. And it, we got some light coming in here, so it's all, all that dark, but come to this church in the evening sometime, friends, and you'll be afraid. All right, <laughs> it's a scary place in the dark, and so we 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 feel that right. We feel we feel what it can be like in the dark. Sometimes sometimes even we. I'm, my my kids do this like it's too dark in here, Dad. If my saw machine my light light doesn't work, like they come crawl into our bed because it's too dark. Maybe only one of our kids does that, but. And so we feel this and 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 we and we talk about this this sometimes And so god looked into the, the stress of the darkness and the chaos of the darkness and god begins to speak and his first action Is to speak this he says let there be light And there was light Liam was far better on his cue than I was good job. Let there be light and there was light and so Have you ever thought about what darkness is? It's just the absence of light It's it's not a thing right darkness itself isn't a thing. It's just the absence of light Things are dark when light isn't present. So someone once said this the only the 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 only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for Good people to do nothing, right? The only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good thing to do is for good people to do nothing. The only thing for darkness to be present is for good people to do nothing is for light not to shine. That is exactly what light what, what darkness is. It is the absence of light. Solomon said this, where there is pride there is strife. You felt this. Where there is pride there is strife. Of course, when there is no light to be shined Chaos will be the result. Strife will be the result. Where selfishness is left to reign, chaos will result. Darkness isn't a thing. It's just a lack of light. And so the world is enshrouded in it. The world is enshrouded in darkness. The creation story is the story of how God is distilling chaos and bringing about peace and justice to a world that is covered in darkness. At the end of day six, you may, you may recall if you've read the story before, God rests because that's when you do, that's what you do when the work is done. That's what you do when when chaos has been distilled. That's what you do when the world is at peace He's he has distilled the darkness He's created a world that functions as it's supposed to function and it and it's and it's working correctly And so god rests on the sixth day But what happens immediately after that humans throw it back into chaos Humans take the light in the world that was that was shining brightly and we threw it back into chaos as humans Rejected the lie that they were loved and they took control of themselves God then enters into a relationship with Israel. Specifically so that they would be the light to the world. That I would bless this people. That they would live under my peace and my reign and my blessing to such a great extent that they would be a great light to a darkened world. And all of the world and all the Gentiles then would see the light. We read in Isaiah 42 and 49. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, he said. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. I will do such a good thing for you Israelites that the world will see your blessing and it would shine brightly to a darkened world and they would come and they would want it. It was through covenant faithfulness that the light would shine and God would do it, we're told. It's God doing it. He would hold his people through the process, we're told. See, the great light that would pierce and overwhelm the darkness was God himself through his people. So for Jesus to claim that he is the light of the world was not only saying that he was taking on the role of Israel, which he was, or that he was the, the long awaited Messiah that was going to bring restoration and healing to the world, which he was, but that he was also God's representative. To be the light of the world is a bold claim and it comes with incredible responsibility, expectation, and hope. And so the people are like, no, you're lying. You're not the light of the world you don't have the authority to say that so they became irate at jesus for saying such a thing But here's what this becomes radical friends. Here's here's what this becomes mind-blowing. Here's what this becomes crazy and paralyzing for some of us Jesus takes this responsibility of being the light of the world And he passes it on to every single one of us Matthew tells us this is jesus speaking you You are the light of the world. If you haven't already, crack your glow sticks. Now you can do it, friends. There you go. Crack them up. You are the light of the world. Feel free to make a necklace or a bracelet. You know, make it fun. We'll come back to those in just a minute. But my friends, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. He continues, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp on a stand and put it under a bowl. Except that is what the church has historically done in a lot of ways. There's so much that could be said, but two quick things. After the Industrial Revolution of the 1700s and the 1800s, when, when shipping through boats became available, you could reach parts of the world that you were never able to, to reach before. And then or later on in the early 1900s when planes were developed, missionaries hopped on planes and they got to places where it was unreachable for thousands of years. And this this exciting thing began to happen within the local church. They, we began to send missionaries away from our communities. Never had happened before. You know where your mission field was? if If you were a Christian in the 1700s, you know where your mission field was? Your neighbor's. Your backyard your friends your family your community that was the people that you were entrusted to reach But then the plane was invented and all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I feel called to the amazon or to the congo and i'm going to go there And i'm going to jump over my neighbors to get to the ends of the earth and that's exciting and that is good And we should be doing that but not at the sake of our own community like so many churches had done the second thing was that the mentality in so much of the 20th century for so many christians was this fortress mentality that the world is evil and this is a reaction to the 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 romantic period and the enlightenment and all these things right i'm not going to go into the details of all that i found it really fascinating maybe you don't the reaction to the to the romantic period was that we need to 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 build walls of defense around the wicked and corrupt world and so we're going to be a church in our church For our church and what happens when you're only consumed about yourself you don't have any light to shine into the darkness because you're shining it among yourself it's hard to shine light into darkness when your light only shines in the presence of other light i mean look around as a matter of illustration like i have a glow stick on but it doesn't glow you know why it's in the light what what light do i have to shine if this is my light it's, it's not very bright it's not very illuminating Darkness isn't being pierced by it, but what happens when what happens when we enter into the darkness With our light? It begins to light up And all of a sudden we have resources now and all of a sudden the darkness can see our light because we are in the darkness Illuminating our light my friends if we only ever shine our light in the church Towards one another our light is pointless It doesn't serve its purpose light is supposed to be for the darkness our light As the light of the world is supposed to be for the darkness And so we have a great responsibility the same responsibility that jesus had To be light to the world Historically most christians have put their light under a bowl rather than as jesus said put it on a stand Where it gives light to everyone in the house In the same way we are to let our light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven Light only works in the dark friends Light only does what it's supposed to do in the dark. And so we decided that we were going to be a church in the darkness Shining light where light is needed for the darkness In our community for our community shining light upon despair misery anxiety fear selfishness and chaos We're not a church that talks much of evangelism. That's a scary word. It's a loaded word that comes up with a lot of baggage. We do, however, talk a lot about building relationships with those who are far from Jesus. And so as you build relationships with people, at least one of four universal searches are going to survive. If you build relationships with those who are far from Jesus, one of four things are always going to come up because these are four universal searches that every single person on the face of the earth is, is searching for. Unconditional belonging. We've heard about this already with Melissa. She found it here. Unconditional belonging a lot of people say yeah, I find that at the pub. I find that on my softball team. I find that With the people that I hang out with okay Unconditional belonging is what people are looking for They are looking for innate significance meaning internal internal significance meaning purpose for why they get out of bed in the morning They're looking for a solution to their guilt, which does not I would argue does not exist outside of jesus And they're also looking for inner peace All that characterizes the darkness or other words they are looking for light They are looking for something to bring light to the darkness that is over their hearts And so at some point in your relationship with those who are far from jesus one of these things are going to suffice And you know what when one of these things comes to mind comes up in conversation You have an opportunity to share the hope you have in jesus You have the hope you have the opportunity to shine your light into their darkness At some point one of these are going to come up and so you have an opportunity to share the light you have in darkness I would always encourage you to begin with prayer Pray over those who you know are far from jesus your neighbors your community Your friends your family pray for them and pray over them You should have received cards over the last several weeks with a circle around your house I'd encourage you to keep that forward begin with prayer friends And then I want to encourage you to listen well and listen attentively and listen actively Listen to what they're saying when you're talking to your neighbors and talking to your friends who are far from jesus listen One of those things are going to come up in time. I would encourage you to begin to eat With those who are far from jesus Jesus shared like hundred and sixty meals in the gospels with other people with those sinners We need to eat together. That doesn't have to be like a meal Although it could it could be around the fire pit eating s'mores invite people to come over Uh, I would encourage you to begin gathering around food. Something happens when you eat together Conversation begins to happen hearts begin to open up and minds begin to open up And then I would begin to encourage you to serve and to ask for help Not only serve your community, but ask your help for community as well Begin to build relationships with those who are far from jesus And then when the time is available to you begin to share your story And begin to invite them into a life with christ Bless your community. In other words friends bless those people who are far from jesus It's not hard. It doesn't need to be threatening begin to build relationships, begin to love your people well. begin to shine the light that God has entrusted you into the darkness. I'm going to invite the band forward. We're going to sing a final song as we reflect on this for just one second more. Here's what I love about glow sticks though. You know, a glow stick exists. If you ever have thought about how a glow stick works, I don't, maybe you've never thought about this before, but there's a glass vial with a neon dye inside of a glow stick and it is inside a plastic tube that is full of hydrogen peroxide. And so when you break that glass vial, That neon dye spills out of the hydrogen peroxide. A chemiluminescent process begins, and it begins to glow. And so there's so much we can learn from the glow stick about how to be the light to the darkness. The first thing that we must understand is that we only shine in submission. We only shine in surrender. We only shine through self-sacrifice. We only shine in humility. Here's what Paul wrote the Corinthians in his second letter. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, right? It's not about us. It's about Jesus. Our and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. This isn't about our sake, the church's sake. This is about Christ's sake and the love for the community. For God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure, he says, That treasure being the light of God's knowledge, right? We have the hope of Christ. In other words, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Fragile, right? Fragile, humble vessels to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. That is why we are fragile, is because this isn't our power. This isn't our strength. It's not our um, it's brilliance or creativity. It is God working through us. He continues we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed We always carry around in our body the death of jesus So that the life of jesus may also be revealed in our body It is through our humility through our self-sacrifice through our submission through our dying to ourself that light shines That is the only way light can shine Jesus's kind of light can shine it is revealed in our weakness. This isn't about our good deeds It's about what god has done for us and through us his light his goodness through us and so we must remain humble Relying on god and acknowledging our weakness and god's strength One other truth that I want to point out really quickly about this analogy And this kind of breaks down the analogy a little bit because this isn't universally true um, Is that if these chemicals remain separate The light will never shine Now you can shine light as an individual that is certainly true God has infused you with that power and that strength, but we shine light better when we come together It is through our pooled resources our pooled creativity our pooled abilities our pooled desires Our pooled love that light will begin to shine even greater within our community It shines more effectively when we work together And so we are pooling our resources so that this be rich season can be as effective as it possibly can be friends I hope that you will participate with us.